Yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And the train is building up ahead of steam. So grab your ticket. It's free. Get on board. This train will be picking up passengers along the way. Taking you on a sports journey. So, enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome into another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, and we are not going to delay. We are going to go ahead and dive right into this. So let's take a listen. Out in the gut, calls for the snap, gets a QB draw to the 20 to his right, and goes down in front of Adams with a short game. And here's a flag, a late flag as Wolford is slow to get up. Adams can't believe it. He says he got him with his shoulder, not his helmet side, away from Ramsey again. Throw the bubble, it picked, it picked. Darius Williams jumped it, and he's going to house it. A pick six, a defensive touchdown, and the Rams extend their lead. Williams got Russell Wilson twice at SoFi Stadium in Week 10. This one came from the film room, and it goes the other way for a touchdown. Strong right formation. He'll hand off. Left side run. Anchors up the middle. Into the end zone. Touchdown, L.A. The rookie with the finger roll over the goalpost as he takes it in from five. And it's the first offensive touchdown since the fourth quarter of week 15. 19-10 Los Angeles with 157 left to go before the half. Second and four. A play action. Goff. Lost the ball. Left side. Top the five. Robert Woods walks in and launches it into the stands in celebration. Touchdown, L.A., and the Rams are advancing. 29-13 with 4.46 to go. I knew that play-action pass was coming. I I mean, you had it set up so well. So, yes, there you have it, the Rams knock off the Seahawks. And that we were not looking for. We were not looking for a clogging problem. But yes, the Los Angeles Rams knock off the Seattle Seahawks in their wild card game. Quite a bit of action going on there. Basically, looks as if they had Russell Wilson thoroughly confused. They were putting pressure on him. And let's just go ahead and throw this on out there. Can't no one man, not to my knowledge, that I've seen contain Aaron 
Donald. Sometimes two men can't contain him. There was one particular play where he got to Russell Wilson and pretty much, if you look at the play, like it was a holding. He had one arm that was being held. But all he needed was one arm to corral the quarterback. Aaron Donald is that much of a beast. A game that was pretty competitive considering the circumstances, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers knocked off the WFT known as the Washington football team. The team that reminds me of riding into town on a horse with no name. I'm going to say that until they get a name. That Heinke kid, he was pretty impressive. It came up a little bit short. However, in that game with the Rams and Seahawks, the final count in that game was 30 to 20. The first game that got us started, however, was the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of plots, a lot of storylines in that game. Head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich, was a part of that miraculous comeback between the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Oilers at the time. Game in which they won coming from way behind, like 38-3 to win, like 41-38, or they was down 35-3, but I know it was a miraculous comeback. So how did Frank Wright and his Indianapolis Colts do on his return to the scene of the miracle? Well, we are about to find out. Snap. Indy rushes four. Josh fires one straight down the middle. Looking for Jake Snipes. Catch. He makes the catch at the Indy 14. He goes down at the Indianapolis 37 yard line. A 32 yard pickup. A strike thrown by Josh Allen. He beat Kari Willis. First down, Buffalo. The Colts have been susceptible to long throws over the top. They play a lot of zone. But here the Bills go no huddle. Side snap to Josh. Keeps it. He's going to try to run with it. And now he's going to throw it into the end zone. And he's caught. Touchdown. Caught for a touchdown. Dawson Knox all alone in the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. That's an MVP play right there, Murph. He threatened him with the run. This was going to be a quarterback run the whole way. He pushed it up into the line. And he keeps it himself on the quarterback option. Runs right side. He is in. Touchdown, Buffalo. The Bills get the lead back again. They go 96 yards and take the lead with 14 seconds left in the half. Amazing. Well, lightning struck, Steve. Not the way we thought it would, but lightning struck. Runs are down to one timeout. The snap. 
Josh firing deep down near the end zone, looking for Diggs. He's got it. Touchdown! Touchdown, Buffalo! There's Stephon Diggs, a 35-yard hookup with Josh Allen. Touchdown, Bills! Josh Allen just threw a grain of rice through a keyhole. <laughs> I just love these analogies that they come up with. But yeah, that was the Buffalo Bills. It's been 25 years in the making. Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills as they come away with the 27 to 24 victory over the Indianapolis Colts in a very highly competitive game, which may have been until we hear it from the source, which may have been Philip Rivers last game he was asked if this would be his last game and all he could basically say is whatever the lord's will is that's what i'll be doing he says if it means i'm gonna be coaching a high school team he says but if i do play one more year i know where i'll be at so the door is wide open one thing i want to say though is looking at the game the Buffalo Bills were allowed to have 60, basically 6,700 people in the stands. But looking at that game, I'm no mathematician. And I know that stadium is pretty big. But that game seemed awfully loud for only 6,700 people. And if you look at it real close, it looked like there was more than 6,700 people in that stadium. Now, maybe I'm delusional or maybe I'm naive, but I'm just going based off of what I've seen. And to me, it looked like there was more than 6,700 people. They might have had 13,000. Who knows what accommodations they made prior to the game. Who knows? But it looked awfully more than 6,700. That's all I'm saying. I'm not accusing them of doing anything. I'm just saying. it To me, it looked like more than 6,700, 6,800, if you round it up. Anyway. We'll move on next to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Washington football team. In a game that was probably more competitive than people thought it would be. Our new house is amazing. There is a bit of an... With Brady and the Bucks. Roll past, cruise past, or squeak past the Washington football team. A lot of narratives have been made in this game that be careful what you ask for, you just might get it. In reference to Chase Young, last time you seen him running off the field, he said he wanted Tom Brady. Well, what did the Washington football team offer up? Well, let's find out. I think you can make this game really interesting. 
Heineke, third and five at the eight. Pocket collapses. He ducks his head, somehow gets out of it. He's running to the left side, to the five, diving for the end zone. Is he in? <laughs> Waiting for a touchdown. Touchdown, Washington. Taylor Heineke with an incredible scramble to the pylon. I have no clue how he escaped that pressure. It looked like he was down. It looked like he wasn't going to be able to get to the end zone. Stretches out, dives in. It's good, D'Angelo. Hey, I used to call Russell Wilson Houdini and Cleese, man. I think I might have to take that from Russ and get it to Taylor Heineke, man. As Chase Young is in the end zone celebrating, dancing with him, man, because that's what he wants. He wants to see this guy go out, compete, and want as much as him. So that was Taylor Heineke. And I too am wondering how in the world did he escape that? He was as good as gotten in the backfield. He should have been sacked. And let me just quite, let me just be frank with you. There's the possibility that if, Alex Smith does come back next year. We could have a quarterback battle brewing in training camp with the Washington football team. Anyway, we have more highlights, so let's go ahead and get to that from this very same game. Steps up, throws down the right sideline. There's Antonio Brown wide open at the five. He walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Tampa Bay, 36-yard strike. Tom Brady to Antonio Brown. And I tell you what, I didn't see the action, that play on that side, but it looked like to the right. And a handoff to McKissick, who slides through the center of the line. Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! Two-yard touchdown run, J.D. McKissick. Godwin in motion on the right side. Brady steps back, throws over the middle of the field, has Godwin caught and into the end zone behind Ronald Darby. Touchdown, Tampa Bay, the second touchdown pass by Brady in the first half. And that is what they did not want to do. Goes in motion. Brady will hand off the ball. He's got a nice hole up the middle. Exploits it, and the ball is out. Ball is out, and it looks like Washington has recovered it. John Bostic falls on it at the 39-yard line. Let's see what the call is. And the referees are huddling. There's a scrum. Bostic had a clean recovery of that. It may have shifted hands underneath the pile. Play that can make this game really interesting. Heineken, mm-hmm. 35 at the 8. Pocket collapses. He ducks his head. Somehow gets out of it. He's running to the left side, to the 5. Diving for the end zone. Is he in? Waiting for a touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! Taylor Heineke with an incredible scramble to the pylon! I have no clue how he escaped that pressure. It looked like he was down. It looked like he wasn't going to be able to get to the end zone. Stretches out, dives in. It's good, D'Angelo. Hey, I used to call Russell Wilson Houdini and Cleese, man. I think I might have to take that from Russ and get it to Taylor Heineke, <laughs> man. As Chase Young is in the end zone celebrating, dancing with him, man, because that's what he wants. He wants to see this guy go out, compete, and want as much as him. So with 2.14 to go, takes the snap, handoff for net, busts through the center of the line, and it's all for naught. That is a touchdown, Tampa Bay. Into the drive, Heineke empty backfield, takes the snap. Throws toward the corner of the end zone, Steven Sims, did he get his feet in? Yes! Touchdown! 
touchdown, Washington. What a fade throw from Heineke to Steven Sims Jr. Yeah, and you talk about leverage. You talk about Jimmy Moreland playing with bad leverage. I can't I don't I can't remember who was on the coverage there, but you just saw Steven Sims work away from the leverage. The corner's inside, he runs a seven route, st sticks him at the top of that break. And what a beautiful ball by Taylor Heineke. He just throws it right where no one can catch it. And that was Sean Murphy button on the coverage. And there you have it. You have those highlights from Washington against Tampa Bay. And yes, Tampa Bay did prevail. But it was a very competitive game as the Bucks overcame the nameless team 31 to 23. So the Tampa or the Tampa Bay Bucks move on to the next round. So what do we have on tap for today's games? Because if you thought yesterday was something, today is going to be just as riveting as the Ravens take on the Titans. Lamar Jackson against Derrick Henry. Then you have the Chicago Bears going up against the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. And look like the late game will be the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh. Steelers. Well, this train is just now really building up ahead of steam. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and pause and take a break right here. And when I come back, I will have some more for you. You are listening to the A-Trade Sports Talk Podcast. And this is your conductor, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith here with A-Trade Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported that's right driven by you the listener who wants to support so click on that support button down there you have three options 99 cents a month 4.99 a month or 9.99 a month will get your ad rent on this podcast so click the support button your support will be greatly appreciated once again anthony smith with the a train sports talk podcast want to enhance your workout try the workout bands everyone is talking about Three different resistance levels, light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com. That's www.cakeybums.com. www.cakeybums.com to enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to my next episode of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and we have some more NFL to get to. 
So without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right into these highlights right here. highlights from the Tennessee Titans Baltimore Ravens and just to sum that up Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson what more can you say Lamar Jackson there was a time years ago and we were saying that type of quarterback would not last and you will see that kind far and few between. Oh, at that time, we were talking about Michael Vick, who was basically a game changer. But now we got Lamar Jackson. Oh, and there's some others right now, too, but they're not in the playoffs. You got Kyler Murray. But right now, it's Lamar Jackson. And what can be said other than, wow, on that particular play, it looked like he could have easily been sacked. 48 yards later, touchdown. So what more can be said? As the Tennessee Titans prevail, Derrick Henry couldn't get unleashed. And you know what? We actually have some more highlights of that game. But it's amazing. There is no Derrick Henry stiff arms. It was basically the Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens show. As the Ravens prevailed in that game by a score of 20 to 13. Twenty to thirteen was the final score in that game. Also, we had some more, but let's just get you to the Saints and the Bears. As Bears, can you say Bears? 
no, they didn't win their game. But Bears and playoffs linked in the same conversation. Yes. But they went up against an aging Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. And I believe even the Saints had something to say about today's game. Could they overcome? Could the ageless wonder himself prevail against Khalil Mack and that Chicago Bears defense? Well, let's find out. Yes, that last play was definitely, really, it doesn't seem all that dramatic or all that spectacular, but it's the fact that Breeze was under some duress, had a defender coming at him, and basically the pass it was basically a dump pass, like an overhead dump pass over the outstretched defender's hand to Latavius Murray, and the rest was six points, New Orleans, as the Saints prevailed in their game against the Bears by a final score of, if I can pull that back up, lost my feed there. There we go. By a final score. Up 21 to 9. So basically, what does that mean? That means we will have a game that will most likely be sponsored by, even though they're not 50, you may as well call them, <laughs> that put them in that club almost. That game will most likely be sponsored by AARP. Because you have the 240-plus quarterbacks. Who would have thought we'll be looking at a game where there's two quarterbacks in their 40s combined? They're about 83 years old. Talking about Drew Brees and Tom Brady. A couple of old heads. One thing you can't say, there's not a lack of experience at the quarterback position between Breeze and Brady. How many years combined in the league? Got to be at least 40 plus. I don't know what it is that keep these guys clicking. But to see these two guys and not to mention yesterday's game with the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo Bills, you're looking at Phillip Rivers, I believe 
39 years old, you've had a bunch of old guys playing playoff football and playing at a predominantly high level. Oh, there was another old guy playing in the game tonight, and he pretty much looked old. Talking about none other than Big Ben with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As a matter of fact, first play of the game for the Steelers, kind of looked like Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. And my ongoing story is, on that was plain and simple. We knew when Peyton Manning called an audible, he said, Omaha, Omaha. But when that shotgun snap sailed past his head, he didn't say Omaha. He said, oh, my God, oh, my God. And Denver wasn't the same since. And pretty much the same thing happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers as What in the world? Browns pounce on Steelers from jump with 28 first quarter points. And in case some of you were looking for that miraculous comeback, talking about what the Bills did to the Houston Oilers, well, I guess the highlights will have to pretty much tell you the story because that was not the case in this game as Cleveland could say 28 first half, first quarter, first, not first half, but first quarter points. Now, the final score may look like it was a little bit competitive. I call that the equivalent of garbage baskets in a basketball game to make the score look closer than what it really was. But we got the highlights. Play action fake. Back to pass. Now he's looking right. Now he dumps it over the middle and picked off. MJ Stewart's got it. And he puts it down to the Pittsburgh 46-yard line. Another turnover by the Steelers as MJ Stewart ends up with his second interception in as many games. But he takes the snap, drops the throw, back, looks, throws, middle, tip, and picked off. They got it again. It's red wide. The Browns defense does it again. Big Ben once again high with his throw. Sheldrick Redwine with the interception. Talk about a short field now. What a return by Redwine after he intercepted the ball. Third down and a yard and a half. Back throws. The ball got tipped, and it is intercepted by Porter Gustin. Porter Gustin tipped it and came up with the interception. Christmas in January. And the Browns will have it at their own 47-yard line with 10-11 left to go in the first half. Unbelievable. They were in a passing formation on third down and a yard and a half. Four step, first down and 10. He takes the snap on first down. Back to pass. Throws it over the middle. Back off. Back off. Taki Taki's got it at the 40, at the 30, at the 25-yard line. Sione Taki Taki. With 3.16 left to go in the game. Big Ben throws his fourth interception of the night. Wow, what a fiasco that was. Who would have thought we'd be saying Ben Roethlisberger throwing 
four picks in one game. So that was the defensive highlights. But that were also some more highlights provided by Cleveland's offense that are also worthy of bringing up. So let's get to the Cleveland offensive highlights. If possible. And I believe we have that right here. What retribution for Kareem Hunt? If you remember the last time we seen Kareem Hunt, he was pulled over by a police officer, I guess under some type of influence of some controlled substance or whatever the case may have been. He was in a, I guess if you want to call it, a state of depression because, well, let's just face it, he thought he should have been in the Kansas City Chiefs uniform, hoisting up a Super Bowl trophy. That first touchdown run, though, you seen a beast mode of a Kareem Hunt as he got to the goal line and just basically powered his way in with at least two or three defenders trying to stop him. He would not be denied. Yes, Hunt finds pay dirt twice in the first quarter. But there was also some more highlights, kind of reminiscent of Shades of the Super Bowl, as I alluded to in the beginning, talking about this when Peyton Manning was with the Denver Broncos and the snap went errant over his head as if he wasn't ready for it. Well, what's the chance of seeing something like that happen again, leading to a touchdown? Well, trust me, it happened again, and we're about to bring it up right now. Well, we lost my audio. Let's pull that back up again. All right. There we go. That was amazing because neither Ben nor his running back could actually pounce on that and secure the recovery. So as it goes, the Browns unleash 28 
points in the first quarter playoff, the first playoff win since 1994. 1994, get that. 1994, that's what you call playoff futility. And finally, they get there. And keep in mind, a lot has been made of the fact that Stefanski was not going to be coaching. But if anybody but listen, Stefanski said they had a game plan. He was confident in the guy that was in place to coach the game for him. So looked like Cleveland had exactly what they needed. So let's just go ahead and give you some more highlights from that game. And a snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the two to the one, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone, a touchdown. Marquise Bouncy just sailed the ball over the head of Big Ben, who looked at James Conner. They race back towards inside the five-yard line. It went into the end zone. B.J. Goodson and Carl Joseph were over there, and Joseph recovers it. Baker's got the snap on third down and four. Delivers the ball. It's caught. Landry's got it at the 25. At the 20, people shows blocking for him. He's at the 10, the 5. He leaps and scores. Touchdown. And the Browns lead 13 nothing. Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry. First down and 10. Takes the ball. Gets it. Hunt runs. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He buries that shoulder and drives in for a touchdown. Kareem Hunts. And the Browns lead 20 to nothing. They had a little too. Kareem does a couple push-ups. 11-yard run by Kareem Hunt. And the Browns are up 20 to nothing. He's got the snap. Gets the ball running near side left. Here comes Hunt. He's going to get to the five, and he's going in. Touchdown! Kareem Hunt is in. What a cut by Kareem Hunt. He just planted his left foot and turned it up the field. So there you have it. Cleveland Browns. Winners in their wild card game against the Steelers. Final score, Browns 48, Steelers 37. And trust me, that score does seem kind of close, but the score does not indicate the sheer dominance of what the Cleveland Browns unleashed on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's take a look at some news that's shaping up around these playoffs. One of the things we want to look at first is the Ravens logo stomps about unity, not disrespect. Because the Ravens did stomp on the logo of the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, usually when you stomp on an opponent's logo, usually that's a bad sign. But the Ravens said it didn't have nothing to do with disrespect. So let's just pull up these highlights and the apparent logo stomp. Second and five. 
snaps it, fires, and it's intercepted. It's Marcus Peters who makes the play for the Ravens. The ball was tipped at the line, a scrimmage fluttered, and it's Peters who makes the big defensive play for the Ravens. Khalif Raymond come down the field here, but what he does is he falls down, and he's not even looking for the football. You see the switch release. Mm -hmm. Ryan's trying to get him, and he falls down. You, they were trying to set this up. I was watching this unfold right, right in front of us right here, but they don't have one of their biggest, strongest, fastest receivers out there to take advantage. Yeah, they they weren't on the, the same step. page. Look at Khalif Raymond looking back for the football. Tati on Baltimore. 15-yard penalty from the end of the play. Baltimore keeps the ball. First time. And at the end of that, it was the Ravens stopping all over the Titans logo at So they drew a penalty for taunting because they stomped on the logo. So the Baltimore Ravens insist their celebration on the Tennessee Titans logo after Marcus Peters game ceiling interception wasn't playing. In the final two minutes of the Ravens' 2013 wildcard victory Sunday, 15 Ravens defenders followed Peters and stormed midfield where many stomped on the logo. This outburst came two months after the Titans players huddled on the Ravens' logo before the team's last matchup, which led to a confrontation between Ravens coach John Harbaugh and Titan players. This is an emotional football game. Sometimes you act out of emotion, Ravens defensive end, Derek Wolf said. I felt like it was a good time to go ahead and do that. So we did it. It wasn't a disrespect thing. It was a team unity thing. Like, we accomplished something as a team, so we're going to go out there and take a little bit of revenge. I don't think it's a big deal. Baltimore defensive end, Khalil Campbell, who flexed on the Titans logo, told NFL Network when asked about the gathering at midfield, respect is earned. Peters ended the Titans' hope for a comeback with two minutes remaining when he picked off Ryan Tannehill at the Ravens' 40-yard line, returned the interception 13 yards, and then bolted to the middle of the field. He leapt on the logo, dropped the ball there, and shouted at the Titans' sideline with his arms extended. Pro Bowl cornerback Marlon Humphrey sat on the logo, and middle linebacker Patrick Queen waved at the Tennessee sideline. The Ravens were penalized 15 yards for taunting, but it had no impact on the game. Six plays later, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson knelt one final time and ran off the field without shaking hands with the Titans, waving at his teammates to do the same. I feel it was just disrespect to see what went on before the game the last time we played those guys they were standing on our logo and seeing them get into it with our coach jackson said that was just disrespectful because we treat all of our opponents with respect it was no reason for us to shake hands and stuff like that we'll be the bigger guy so we just walked off the field i feel like we were being the bigger guys Tennessee offensive lineman Dennis Kelly doesn't understand why the Ravens responded that way because he said the Titans had huddled at midfield before the game the entire season. I don't know what that whole disrespectful thing came from, Kelly said. If that's what Harbaugh wanted to use to motivate them, I guess it worked. Titans coach Mike Brabel declined to get into specifics over the Ravens' Midfield celebration and not shaking hands after game. 
I coach the Titans, not the Ravens, very well said. Peters wasn't made available to reporters after the game, and Harbaugh wasn't asked about his player celebration. We just like to celebrate. You know what I mean? It was a good celebration, I think, Humphrey said. Usually, whoever makes the play, you run to that person. That person just so happens to end up being on the logo. So it looks like there are some there's some bad blood brewing between these two teams. Maybe the possibility of a rivalry, perhaps, remains to be seen. Well, anyway, this train is building up some steam. I got some more to go, so stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I'll be back with more. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. So, welcome back once again. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and... Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson tops 100 yards rushing en route to first career playoff win. What is this, like his third or fourth season? And I remember when they inserted him in a game, and all the talk was, can the Ravens win a playoff game with Lamar Jackson at their quarterback? Uh Basically, it's all the narratives of his style of play. Can that style of play win at the quarterback? I mean, he's the reigning MVP. And that is still debatable because the Super Bowl MVP wears a Chiefs uniform. But if you look at Lamar Jackson, if you look at Patrick Mahomes, Yes, the 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 offensive scheme is pretty much designed that Lamar can run more than Patrick Mahomes. But I'm pretty sure Patrick got some nice wheels on him. It's the fact he doesn't have to utilize them as much because if you look at the weaponry he has around him, such as Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, just to name a few, uh, Edwards Hilaire, uh, Le'Veon Bell. So, yes, in Kansas City scheme, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to run nearly as much as a Lamar Jackson. But what makes Lamar Jackson also just as equally as dangerous is not only can he beat you with his legs, but if you get the right weapons around you, he can also beat you with his arms. So can this style of quarterback win a Super Bowl? I say it's already been done. Patrick Mahomes. However, my theory is Patrick Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of the NFL. 
and there are a lot of talented teams that it just so happens when you look at your Ravens and how they've caught fire. When you look at the Buffalo Bills who won their first Super Bowl, not their first Super Bowl, won their first playoff game in the Lord knows how long. These are some talented teams, some teams that are a threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. However, the Chiefs are stacked at your key positions. And the fact of the matter is Patrick Mahomes is playing on a level. His mental level is he's not too much into himself. He knows how to process things. They've been there before. Yes, they won the Super Bowl last year. And you cannot do away with that experience factor of playing in the biggest stages of them all. Can Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens overcome? Remains to be seen. Can the Buffalo Bills overcome the Kansas City Chiefs? It remains to be seen. Because right now, the Chiefs are the king of the throne. But back to Lamar Jackson. Uh, let's get his comments on how it feels to win his first playoff game. comments of Lamar Jackson and quite bluntly when asked this was about Derrick Henry versus Lamar Jackson he basically put it into perspective it was not about Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson it was about the Ravens versus the Titans and the team got it done I like his analogy we play two different positions can't you, you can't make it no more plain than that. So in between delivering a rare talk to the team and receiving his most gratifying game ball, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson exacted postseason revenge and silenced those who doubted he could win when it matters most. In the Ravens' 2013 wildcard triumph on Sunday in Tennessee, Jackson won the first playoff game of his career and delivered payback for last season's upset loss to the Titans. It feels great, Jackson said. It's always going to be the naysayers no matter what. I appreciate the win. I'm grateful for the win. 
The reigning NFL MVP ran for 136 yards, including an explosive 48-yard touchdown scramble, and threw for 179 in a performance that checked off many of his critics' questions. Can't win the postseason? Jackson, who turned 24 last week, became the third youngest quarterback to win NFL MVP and a playoff game. Only Dan Marino and Patrick Mahomes accomplished this feat earlier. Some pretty good company right there. Can engineer a comeback? Trailing 10-0 in the first quarter. Jackson produced his first victory when trailing by double digits. He had been 0-6. Can't beat the Titans. It became fitting that Jackson achieved his postseason respect against a rival with whom there is so much bad blood from the Ravens celebrating on the Titans logo to walking off the field without shaking hands. All of the criticisms he's been getting is just unfair, Ravens fullback Patrick Richards said. For him to play the way he did and get this win, I think it's going to silence a lot of doubters. The Ravens now have to wait for Sunday night's game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cleveland Browns to see where they're headed for the AFC division around. If the Steelers win, which they didn't, Baltimore plays the top seed top seeded and defending Super Bowl champs Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday at 3.05 p.m. If the Browns win, which they did, the Ravens will visit the number two seeded Buffalo Bills on Saturday at 8.15 p.m. Eastern. Immediately after the franchise's first win since 2014, there was plenty of cheering and dancing inside the locker room. Even coach John Harbaugh performed a little dance. Then Harbaugh gave the game ball to Jackson for the QB's first postseason victory. It's something that he won't have to talk about in the future, Harbaugh said, and that's a meaningful thing. In the days leading up to this playoff rematch, Jackson made it clear his number one goal was to end the talk that he couldn't win in the playoffs. He was 0-2 in the playoffs after a 28-12 upset loss to the Titans last year when Baltimore was the AFC's top seed and a 10-point favorite. Teammates understood the magnitude of this game for Jackson, when he spoke to them the night before the game, which is something he rarely does. When he speaks, he speaks volumes, cornerback Marlon Humphrey said. When he speaks, you know he means business. When he talked to the team, I was sitting in my room on Zoom, and I'm like, I know we're going to win the game. I know Lamar is going to have a great game. With 136 rushing yards, Jackson became the second quarterback in the Super Bowl era to total 100 rushing yards and score a rushing touchdown in a playoff game, joining Colin Kaepernick. His best run was a 48-yard scramble in which he burst through the middle of the Titans' defense to negate an early interception and tie the game at 10. He clocked at a maximum speed of 20 and a half miles per hour on the second longest postseason touchdown run by a quarterback. It's the best run I've ever seen by a quarterback, Harbaugh said. Jackson has produced one of the most memorable starts to an NFL career. He was the youngest quarterback to win NFL MVP last season. He became the fastest quarterback to win 30 games in NFL history when he clinched a playoff berth in the season finale, his 37th game. Now he finally has that elusive postseason victory. I wasn't really worried about it, Jackson said. It's just my third year in the league. I don't really care what people say. I'm just happy we got the win and we got to move on to the next round. And it's round. That's it. Harbaugh, who got the Ravens to a Super Bowl 
in 2012, believes this win in Nashville was a special one for what the team has had to persevere this season. From overcoming a COVID-19 outbreak last month to helping Jackson overcome his postseason hurdle. I'm going to tell you right now that the number one best win Harbaugh said in perspective is going to be a top five for sure. But right now, for me, this is the best win ever. And not just because of what was at stake, but because of the guys and what it meant to our team and to our guys, what it meant to all of our guys. This may be the best win I've been uh, associated with. So that was some more on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I want to go ahead and end this and give you a little bit of local flavor as we look at some college basketball for this is my Last segment. So let me just go ahead and pull up some college basketball. As I probably will most likely. Since I am here in the air capital city of Wichita, Kansas, Wichita State had a game today as they went on the road to take on Cincinnati Bearcats in an AAC matchup. So first, let me go ahead and give you the standings right now. Nope, I am not going to give you the standings because those standings have not been updated. But I am going to give you the score right here. Wichita State went into... Cincinnati, which was a road game. Actually, it was a home game for Wichita State. And the home crowd was treated to a victory as Wichita State knocked off the Bearcats by the score of 82 to 76. The leaders in that game for Cincinnati, points leader, Zach Harvey with 19 points, three rebounds, one assist. Rebound leaders was David DeJulius, who had 12 points, six rebounds. And the assist leaders was also David DeJulius to go along with his 12 points, six rebounds. He also had seven assists. Wichita State, and I will get you more stats, but the leaders, Ricky Council, the fourth, 23 Points rebounding leader, also Ricky Council, six rebounds. 
Tyson Etienne, who chipped in with 16 points and five rebounds, was your assist leader with three assists. As we look at the game stats, we see where Wichita State won the game, 82-6-76. The rebounding battle edge went to the Cincinnati Bearcats as they had rebound the Shockers by one, 40-39. Also, the assist lead went to Cincinnati as they had one more assist in the Shockers, 15-4. However, Wichita State turned them over, came up with nine steals as compared to six for Cincinnati. Wichita State also had two blocks. Cincinnati only one. In the turnover battle, Wichita State 13. Cincinnati 15 turnovers. Field goal shooting percentage. Wichita State 45.9% from the field, 42.9% for Cincinnati. The free throw battle went to Cincinnati, shooting 69.6% to Wichita State 67.6%. And the three-point shooting battle, both teams were, there was not too much to uh, write home about as Cincinnati edged out the Shockers, 28.6% to So, as we look at this, look at the standings now. Houston stands atop the standings in the AAC at 5-1. Tulsa is at 4-1. I believe that might be Wichita State's next opponent. I believe that game will be in – I believe we have that game here. Uh, Wichita State is coming in third place at 3-1. Memphis checking in at 2-1. And And these are conference records. I'm not giving the overall records – Memphis at two and one in the conference. South Florida at three and three. SMU is at two and two. UCF is at one and two. East Carolina one and three. Tulane one and three. Cincinnati's down there one and four. And Temple is zero and two. And those are your conference records. So Wichita State is checking in at third in the American Athletic Conference. So once again. Congratulations to Wichita State for coming up with the victory against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, the news on that is plain and simple. Ricky Council had a season high 23 points as Wichita State beat Cincinnati 82-76 on Sunday. Morshu Desi, you're looking for some protection from your bigs. Morshu Desi had 18 points for Wichita State which is 7-3 overall, 3-1 in the American Athletic Conference. Tyson Etienne added 16 points. Both teams set records for scoring in the first half. Wichita State totaled 52 points, and Cincinnati, actually in the second half, in Cincinnati, 47. Zach Harvey had 19 points for the Bearcats, 3-7-1-4. Keith Williams added 14 points. David DeJulius added 12 points, 7 assists, and 6 Rebounds. So that's how that all played out. As once again, Wichita State comes away with an 82-76 victory over the Cincinnati 
Bearcats. Well, that is going to wrap it up for me on this episode of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I thank you, my listening audience, for tuning in. Hope you have enjoyed this podcast. I will be back doing this again tomorrow as I will get you ready for the NC for the college football final playoff between Alabama and Ohio State. The matchups, the keys to victory for both teams. So until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. God bless.